Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kansas City Chiefs still the class of the AFC, or is there a new sheriff from Baltimore in town? Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Courtney Cronin filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons. You can find her at Courtney R. Cronin. You can find me as well at Amber W. Sports. So it was an interesting week in terms of that conference, Courtney, in the NFL. Apparently, Buffalo is still very much alive and kicking, uh, even though some people had them dead in the water not many games ago. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're still hanging around. Sure, they played the Patriots, but Patrick Mahomes is still Mahomes, throwing for 305 yards, a couple touchdown passes, and Taylor Swift being there in attendance once again uh, to see her Chiefs win the game against a, a lowly Patriots squad, 27-17. to 17. But it's the Baltimore Ravens that got maybe the more shocking win this weekend just because of the dominance against a much better opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is it Baltimore now sitting at the top of that conference? I, I said it was last week going into that game. That's no disrespect to the Buffalo Bills and what they were able to pull off at home against the Dallas Cowboys and the week before at Arrowhead. And it's no disrespect to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just the fact that there's one team in the AFC that's playing the best football of anybody else. And yes, they weren't great yesterday, but they still knew how to close out a team on the road and score 13 points in the fourth quarter. They have the best quarterback in the AFC, as far as I'm concerned. Lamar Jackson probably won't win the MVP this year because it's probably Brock Purdy's unless Dak Prescott has some run here in the final three weeks of the season. But Lamar Jackson has been playing arguably the best football of his career, maybe even better than the season that he won MVP in 2019 because of how much of a complete quarterback he's developed into, how well this new offense is equipped to play to his strengths, and how well this team has has played despite the close game that came down to an overtime return uh, off a a punt return in uh, the, the week prior with the Los Angeles Rams and then what they did yesterday. They are the class of the AFC, because the road to the AFC is going to end up running through M&T Bank Stadium this year in ways that, honestly, it hasn't because it's always been going through Kansas City for the last five seasons. Well, and part of that has been a health problem for Baltimore, sure. right? I mean, certainly Lamar Jackson, him being healthy all season, and if he can stay healthy in a postseason, then I would expect them to make a lot of noise. A bit of a slow start settling into Todd Munkin's offense. It's going to be when you're settling into a new playbook there in Baltimore, but man, have they been a rolling in that high-flying offense, and some of that is what you said there with Lamar just being Lamar. I'm not going to call him the best quarterback in the NFL because that not still going to go to Mahomes for me, but it's not a crazy thing to say. That athleticism of Lamar that we've all become accustomed to, just doing absolutely outrageous, inhumane things out there, was on full display against Jacksonville when he was sacked by Dwayne Smoot. And then somehow he wasn't. Like it didn't make any sense. Smoot had him in his grasp, but then he somehow like rolls out, wiggles away, manages. 
manages to throw the ball to Isaiah Likely, who outmaneuvers multiple defenders. They bring home the win. I think Lamar had, what, 171 yards passing, ran for 97 more in that game. Uh, A lot of those targets, 70 of those yards, uh, just to Likely, uh, the tight end there. So, yes, that's a very good Baltimore team. I expected it to be a good Baltimore team. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, has always been a very good quarterback, but there's certainly been reasons that he hasn't always seemed like it. Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, was on NFL Live, and he was asked, what is Lamar showing as a passer? Lamar Jackson is showing you that he's not a reluctant rusher. He's not one of these great dual-threat quarterbacks that has decided, I have to prove to the world I can throw the football from here standing still. Yes, I can do that, but I will put you on your heels consistently with the fear that I'll use my legs, even though now I've become pass first. I think this was the next step for Lamar Jackson, and we're watching it happen right before our eyes under Todd Munkin. I mean, the evolution of a quarterback, Courtney, who we saw win an MVP already in his career. And and that's the part, what Ryan Clark was saying, how he's not reluctant to to do both because quarterbacks, especially those like him, who get mislabeled all the time and unfairly that, oh, you're running back playing the quarterback position. You know, I've often felt this season that Justin Fields has fallen into that sort of mental trap that I've got to prove I am a, I can pass from the pocket, I can win from the pocket, win with my arm, and that I'm not just a running quarterback. And there have been moments, especially early on this season, where remember when he said like you know they thought he was overthinking game and attributed it to coaching. I think that a lot of that had to do with him trying to be something that he's not, trying to be solely the quarterback like everybody else in the NFL, like everybody else who gets the MVPs, like everybody else who gets paid to be that true pocket presence. Lamar Jackson went through that. He's gone through that for the last couple of years. And in this offense, he can be both versions of himself, which are the best versions of himself. Because when you can do what Lamar Jackson does, when you can do what a Justin Fields does on a different degree, that's the best quarterback that you can be because that is being true to yourself and that's playing to your skill set. I mean, he rushed for 97 yards yesterday mm-hmm. and he also threw for 171 yards. Now, some people are going to look at that passing stat line and be like, man, what happened? But if you don't look at the rushing stat line in that, then you don't get to paint the full picture of how effective he is as a quarterback. The only issue I have right now, some of this has to do with the injuries. Of course, the Mark Andrews injury seems to you know, be an issue still for this team. It was great for Isaiah likely to be able to step up in place of Mark Andrews, but OBJ wasn't great yesterday. We know that they had some injuries in this game too. Like how much longer does Lamar have to beat all of their offense? Because this is not what we've been trying to get away from the last couple of years where he doesn't have to be, you know, judge, jury, and executioner in all of those sense, in every single sense, because you want to let him operate and let others be able to carry the load. And sometimes it feels like that doesn't happen in Baltimore. It doesn't happen in Baltimore. We've been talking about it year after year after year. Now the Ravens have attempted to address that issue. They have tried, tried to put weapons around Lamar, which was the knock for so long that they weren't trying to put the weapons around him. They have tried to put the weapons around Lamar. He is out there, but he is used to being that player that has to do it all. And certainly we're still seeing him be that player. He's unbelievable. The problem for Lamar is where he set the bar in 2019 as the MVP. I mean, I think that's going to plague him in winning another MVP throughout his NFL career because in 2019 to do that, he broke the NFL rushing record for quarterbacks. He rushed for over 1,200 
1,500 yards that season. He led the league that season in touchdown passes with 36. He took the NFL by storm in his sophomore season with the league. And so that's where the bar is set for Lamar. That's why I don't think, frankly, he's maybe judged completely fairly because I think we're always going to compare Lamar to Lamar, in other words. Sure. And he, you know, and he did that this second season. So it's like, well, it's kind of all downhill from here, buddy, because of goodness. I, I hope you can somehow recreate that magic that nobody else can recreate in NFL history. But he's still unbelievable. This Ravens team is very, very good. But there's some stiff competition there in the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Yes, they don't yeah. look completely the same, but they are still the Chiefs. They're still Mahomes. They're still a well-coached team. They've still got the weapons, and obviously Kelsey is still playing at a monstrous level in front of his girlfriend. The Miami Dolphins are still the Miami – you've got to say it, Courtney. We're, like, contractually obligated here at ESPN. The Miami Dolphins – are, are, you know, I mean, yes, they stumbled against the Titans. They certainly did not stumble against the New York Jets. They looked completely dominant. So I would think that those teams are stiff competition. After that, it gets a little weird for me. Like sitting fourth right now is the Jags. Then you've got the Browns, the Bengals, the Colts. None of those teams, to me, really convince me of a Super Bowl run. But the contenders at the top, I think, give some stiff competition to Baltimore. And none of those teams, five through seven right now, have their quarterback that they started the year with going into the postseason. I mean, Cleveland right now has Joe Flacco at 38 years old throwing for over 300 yards in back-to-back games and Jake Browning and what he did to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. And of course, Gardner Minshew keeping the Indianapolis Colts riding steady right now with an eight and six record. Does that mean that that's going to carry over to the postseason? Only time will tell on that, but I can understand not wanting to go all in on those teams when you do have quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, like Tua Tagovailoa, and even, you know, where Trevor Lawrence is right now. I know that they were terrible yesterday, and he did not look great. Maybe it's the high ankle sprain, maybe it's something else, but the gap between the last three that I mentioned and where Lamar Jackson is right now in the AFC, I think it's a pretty sizable one. All right, we got to get to all of those other games. There were a ton of storylines around the NFL from Saturday and from Sunday, so coming up next here on Amber and Ian, with Courtney Cronin filling in for Ian tonight, we're going to recap all of the games from this weekend. We'll get into all of the best storylines that you might have missed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. The Philadelphia Eagles are trying to do is handle business against the Seattle Seahawks, despite Jalen Hurts having flu-like symptoms. They're doing that right now. Eagles up 10 zip on the Seattle Seahawks. Jalen is 8 of 11, 
64 yards passing. Drew Locke so far, starting instead of Geno Smith, who's dealing with a groin injury. Drew Locke is 8 of 10, 55 yards. Uh, we are got, what, about just under two minutes left here in the second. We'll keep you updated on all of the live action as we continue forth here on Amber and Ian. Courtney Cronin filling in for Ian tonight. You can find her at Courtney R. Cronin. You can find me as well at Amber W. Sports. But we've got to get to all of the action That happened on Saturday and Sunday in the NFL. Let's do it. The football season never ends with Amber and Ian. Turn it up and down. Turn it up and down. This is the Hurry Up. This is the Hurry Up. What's up first? Bengals 27, Vikings 24. So the Bengals end up pulling this thing off, Courtney. I mean, despite trailing 17-3 late in the third, despite the offense struggling to move the ball, the Bengals, they needed Jake Browning to be nearly perfect. And then all of a sudden he was. He led Cincinnati to three fourth quarter TDs. He directed the winning uh, winning drive in overtime. Uh, an unbelievable performance again by Browning, considering that he's replacing none other than Joe Burrow. And Cincinnati's doing some winning with him. They have a shot at the playoffs, like a realistic mm-hmm. shot. I know that it's getting a little top-heavy right now, particularly in the AFC South, which is weird, but they've won three straight. They beat the Jags, they beat the Colts, they beat the Vikings. Some of these games were close, like the one at Jacksonville and the one that came down to overtime last week, or over the weekend, but Jake Browning shown you he can operate this offense, and even without Jamar Chase, who left that game with that shoulder injury, he was able to get T. Higgins involved. Of course, Tyler Boyd makes that insane catch. This team should be feared right now. The best teams play their best football in December. They've got the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Browns to end things out. Not exactly an easy stretch, but couple wins there and we might be talking about a different seven seed in the AFC playoffs yeah it's pretty unbelievable the Bengals sitting right now sixth in the AFC in terms of the playoff picture Browning won his third straight start he is three and one since Joe Burrow suffered that season ending right wrist injury and that loss to Baltimore this time Browning threw for 184 yards two touchdowns in the fourth and overtime, becoming the fourth quarterback in the past two years to throw for at least that many yards and two or more scores after three quarters after the game. Courtney Browning said, I feel like I need a beer. Uh, and frankly, I hope he got one because he certainly deserved one. Let's move along. Colts 30, Steelers 13. Uh, so the Colts ha- manhandled uh, the Steelers. Gardner Minshew, he got the most out of his depleted supporting cast. Uh, another team... Another AFC team, another team in the playoff hunt who is down to their backup quarterback, because that is a story, by the way, of just like everybody rounding out the playoff hunt in that entire conference. And Gardner Minshew deserves a lot of credit. He matched a career high with three touchdown passes. Uh, Indianapolis rushed for 170 yards. The Colts now improve their playoff picture here against the Steelers. And man, the Steelers, it just feels like the wheels have fallen off. And and Tomlin's in real danger here of not having a winning season finally. And hearing him after the game, just how flat out honest he was. They are not a good football team right now. You saw Mitchell Trubisky throw his second interception of the game. He got benched. Mason Rudolph, the quarterback who, like, Last week, when he was asked about this, Mike Tomlin, that is, about potentially opening the door for Mason Rudolph to play, he said that this wasn't really grounds for an open competition because of the point of the season they were at, but 
it's going to be Mason Rudolph playing this coming week. And I'm not surprised at all because what we've seen from Mitchell Trubisky is what we know about Mitchell Trubisky. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. They can only hope, I guess, if they still have a shot at the playoffs, even though it feels like the door is slamming shut on that, that that they will be able to get Kenny Pickett back from that tightrope surgery that he had two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, it's an outside shot either way, but this team is probably going to have to undergo some pretty significant changes from a coaching perspective and roster perspective in the offseason if they want to get back on track. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen some of those coaching changes uh, in this season. Nevertheless, what's going to happen here in the offseason? We saw Mason in the fourth in this game. Trubisky ended up finishing this one 16 of 23 for 169 yards, one touchdown pass. Two interceptions. The Steelers dropped their third straight. They fell into last place in the AFC North. Next. Bills 31, Cowboys 10. Uh, Yes, that score is correct. The Bills dominated the Cowboys 31 to 10. I think if that score had been reversed, frankly, people would not have been shocked, even though Buffalo is an excellent team, but Buffalo has not always looked like an excellent team. They have lost games in really weird ways, though, Courtney, this season, and I think sometimes that's overlooked a bit, where people are just out on Buffalo because of the win-loss record without considering how some of those losses came to be. And thankfully for Buffalo and where they are, they, they saved their season last week with the win over Kansas City. Was it the best game from Josh Allen and the rest of the offense? No. Did they have some issues defensively? Yes. Did they get it done and grind out a win because nothing has to be pretty in the NFL as long as it works? Yes. And then what you saw yesterday, that was the finesse Buffalo Bills putting up that many points at home. On the Dallas Cowboys, who have a very high-powered offense of their own and a really, really good defense, too, I'm glad to see that they figured out what their running game was. James Cook mm-hmm. had an awesome day in Orchard Park yesterday. 179 rushing yards, 42 receiving yards. That was the complete package. They needed that, too, because in moments this season, Josh Allen has had to look outside of Stephon Diggs because there have been times where Stephon Diggs has been taken away from the defend from the opposing defense, and that's been an issue that a playoff team is going to have to overcome. And maybe we got a little precursor of it yesterday against the Cowboys. The Bills won consecutive games for the first time since that three-game winning streak ended on October 1st. So they have gained ground here in the AFC playoff race. They're sitting at ninth right now in the standings on the bubble, bubble. but it was how they figured out how to win that game, the domination there on both sides of the ball. As a Dolphins fan, I want nothing to do with the Bills, and yet we see them again. And frankly, that Dolphins-Bills game is setting up to be an epic game that might decide the division here down the stretch. Next. Rounds 20, Bears 17. So the Bears, of course, the team that Courtney Cronin covers for us here at ESPN. The Browns inked this one out. This was a close one. It was a weird one, Courtney. The Bears lose another one. Another game where they had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. They have three of those this season. They blew all three of those games. And unfortunately, time's running out on this coaching staff. I mean, it wasn't just poor execution from the players. It was some conservative play calling that we saw in short yardage situations when they were trying to get too creative in moments, too, that didn't work. And frankly, I don't think the Bears have anybody to blame but themselves for the way that they have their like consistent inability to 
not finish games. We've seen it far too many times. They've talked about it ad nauseum. At some point, you figure it out or you don't. And this team right now, already guaranteeing its second straight losing season under Matt Eberflus, they haven't figured it out. And it doesn't take a 30-game sample size to get there. Not with the way that this defense has been playing. This defense is really, really good. The offense wasted a a big-time performance from them on Sunday. Yeah, the Bears not actually eliminated yet, but they're certainly on the brink of it, uh, and they will be. They leave a lot to be desired. They're clearly already looking forward to that NFL draft. They will have two picks there in the first round. For the Browns, on the other hand, though, Joe Flacco has become the hero in Cleveland. The 15-year vet has thrown for 939 yards in three games. It wasn't flawless, but here they are relying on a 38-year-old quarterback, the fourth quarterback who has started for them this season, and they're winning games. And that's what matters if you're Cleveland. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with that championship-level defense. But they survived this one, even though Justin Fields did have an opportunity with a Hail Mary at the end of that game. Quickly. Last. Panthers 9. Falcon 7. Yeah, I have to say quickly because it's 9-7. to seven. Like, what the heck? But here, the Panthers, they got a win, Courtney. They got another win. And that could potentially hurt the Chicago Bears in the draft order if they end up winning (laughs) another game and somehow their record and all of that with the uh, Patriots and the Cardinals ends up putting them out of the number one draft pick spot. But to me, the story of this game is the Falcons, and they still don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They don't know who's going to be playing for them this week. No, I mean, they entered the game tied with New Orleans and Tampa Bay for first place in the NFC now, uh, South. But now uh, they find themselves needing a whole lot of help. The Saints and the Bucks both won their games over the weekend. Things do not look good for Atlanta. Coming up next, we continue here on Amber and Ian to recap every game from this weekend. Courtney Crone is filling in for Ian tonight. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Night football is headed towards the half. Eagles still beating the Seahawks 10 to 3 right now. We'll get into what's happening in this game in just a moment here on Amber and Ian with Courtney Cronin filling in for Ian tonight. Amber and Ian, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle, save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. Let's get into the other games that we haven't gotten to talk about, Courtney, from this weekend because it was a big weekend in the NFL. We had three games on Saturday, a whole slate on Sunday. I can't imagine how many people forgot about the games on Saturday because they're not accustomed to them and they sneak up on you this time of year. Let's get to the ones that we've missed so far. The football season never ends with Amber and Ian. This is the Hurry Up. First one from Lambeau. Buccaneers 34, Packers 20. So Baker Mayfield, he has played in Lambeau in December three straight seasons. Those are for three different teams, Courtney. The other couple times, it did not go so well. He threw four interceptions 
for Cleveland when he was their quarterback on Christmas Day to the Packers in 2021. Then when he was playing for the Rams, he lost there December 19th. Well, things went much, much better this time around. I guess third time is a charm. Mayfield threw for 381 yards, four touchdowns as the Bucks won their third straight with that 34-20 win over the Packers. He had a perfect passer rating, which is hard to do anywhere, especially at a place like Lambeau Field. But I will say the Packers' defense has left a lot to be desired these last two games. The loss that they had on Monday Night Football to the Giants last week and that game-winning drive that they let Tommy DeVito lead to get into field goal range. And then this one. They go zone in the fourth quarter. They let Baker Mayfield carve them up and down all day. I don't understand what they're doing and why Joe Barry is like taking his foot off the gas pedal in the fourth quarter when games matter, when it does matter to keep your record where it's at, and that bounce yourself out of the playoff picture. But hats off to Baker Mayfield. This Tampa team has been all over the place this year. We talk about them, and then they disappear. We talk about them, and then they're out of the postseason picture. Well, lo and behold, right now they are the four seed as the NFC South leader bouncing Atlanta out of that spot for now. And I like their chances of staying there 68% right now to win the post or to win the rest of their games to get into the postseason. It's, It's better odds than they had a week ago. Uh, Certainly better odds than they had a week ago, uh, thanks to the Falcons dropping one there. The Saints did win, but they're keeping a pace atop that NFC South. You know, it's an interesting thing, this Baker Mayfield component of the story to me, because I feel like quietly Mayfield's had a whole resurgence here of his career a bit in Tampa, right? Like he's proving himself, and I don't know if they're going to move forward with him, if he's going to be the answer for Tampa moving forward. I mean, I... If I'm the Bucks, frankly, I would consider it. But either way, I think he's kind of proved once again that he's still got a lot of value in this league as a starting quarterback. And, it, you know, it's not something that I think that maybe would have thought was possible during the end of his tenure there in Cleveland and during that short stint there in Carolina. What's up next? Texans 19, Titans 16. The Houston Texans did not have C.J. Stroud in this game, and they still end up getting the win. And it was a crazy game, but man, does D'Amico Ryans deserve so much credit. Houston, sitting at 8-6, and six, entered the day one spot outside of that AFC's 17 playoff field. They're keeping pace with AFC South rival Indianapolis who they visit in the regular season finale. This is a Texans team, Courtney, that nobody expected anything from, and they are doing everything right, even without the rookie of the year. And good for them to survive without C.J. Stroud. He was on a tear. The MVP conversation, he was in it up until the time that he sustained this concussion. He's still in concussion protocol, but it did sound at the end of last week like he was getting close to being cleared. They hold him out for this game, and of course, Kaimi Fairbairn has been automatic. Like Dating back to the Deshaun Watson days in Houston, they have had one of the most consistent clutch time kickers in the NFL. He kicks that 54-yarder to give the Texans that 19-16 win over a division rival, and Don't look now, but the AFC South may or may not get three teams in this thing by the time it's all said and done. There's still three weeks left. A lot of football to be played, but 
I'm happy for the Texans. I'm happy for what D'Amico Ryans is building down there because no one expected them. This soon, after drafting C.J. Stroud and then not having him, they turned to Case Keenum yesterday at quarterback to come from a 13-point deficit and beat the Titans 19-16. It's crazy. It's really crazy. And you mentioned there the AFC South. I mean, that was a division that everyone thought was going to be such trash, right? And awful. And then here they are. They're all battling it out at the top of that division. Tennessee notwithstanding. Will Levis, he left with 149 left in overtime after being sacked for the seventh time. His left leg caught underneath him in the pile. It was really scary. He did not put any pressure on it when he got up. He was, by the end of that game, though, kind of jogging on the sidelines. He did say after that game that it could have been a lot worse, I think I'll be all right. So that's big news there for Tennessee Titans fans because certainly they don't want to lose Will Levis. What's next? Dolphins 30, Jet Zero. Finally, finally we are to the glory. That was this Dolphins-Jets game. Although I've got to be honest with you, Courtney, as a Dolphins fan, I mean, I like I watched every minute of this game. But I Why'd you do that? could have turned it off after that. I mean, I was struggling. I was struggling to get through this thing. Right, the fourth quarter, I'm like, oh. Good thing that they didn't make Tyreek Hill play against the Jets. And I'm sure that going into the week when they're going through their plan after he gets hurt in Monday Night Football, thinking, okay, we can probably beat the Jets without Tyreek Hill. When the logic should be, you can probably dismantle the Jets without Tyreek Hill, and that's exactly what they did. Jalen Waddle stepping up in his absence, 142 receiving yards, eight catches, that 60-yard touchdown bomb. Like, this is still a very explosive offense, even though it didn't show that in the game that Hill got injured. And it's good. It's a good, like, right-the-ship sort of game for them after that embarrassing loss, maybe the worst loss of the Mike McDaniel era, to the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. So get Tyreek Hill back, keep Raheem Mostert doing what he's doing, keep Jalen Waddle doing what he's doing, and this team is going to make a push down the stretch here to get maybe 12 wins this season. That's a huge success for this Miami Dolphins team and where they sit in the AFC East. Huge, huge success. I mean, this is a Miami Dolphins team that hasn't even won a playoff game in 23 years. So making a postseason is always a lofty goal for the Dolphins and then actually winning in the postseason. I mean, forget about it. I've hardly seen it in my lifetime. And that's exactly what this Dolphins team expects to be able to do. But this was a big win against a much lesser opponent. It was a big win because yes, division rival, because they shut them out, which is always fun to do against one of your rivals. But also Zach Wilson, I actually find myself often feeling bad for Zach Wilson, Courtney, And here's a guy that there was the reports from the athletic that he didn't want to play, even though, yes, he brushed all that off and whatever. But then he goes out there, maybe not really wanting to play here down the stretch. And he gets concussed in the process. It just shows how broken that line is for New York. And I have a hard time when I watch this Jets team believing, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to fix all this. And that's not a knock on Aaron Rodgers, but I'm like any Hall of Fame quarterback, it's like... Who's fixing this? It's a knock on anyone's sanity to think that playing behind that line is a good idea. We saw that with Zach Wilson. I mean, all the reporting and all the things that were out there, 
you know, true or not, if he's going to admit it or not, this is the reason he probably didn't want to go and play because he's trying to think about where his fresh start's going to come, on which team next year is he going to get released, is he going to get traded, so on and so forth. Now he gets hurt, he gets knocked out of that game, don't know when he's going to come back, and we don't know who the Jets are going to turn to in week 16. I hope it's not Aaron Rodgers. I hope it ends up being either somebody on their practice squad or their number two quarterback, Trevor Simeon. I don't know. It shouldn't be Aaron Rodgers. If it is Aaron Rodgers, I will not be surprised, but I will be severely disappointed. It would be ridiculous. It would be so, so, so ridiculous. Like, it's just – and what is the point of this? I mean, why is he even toying with it? It – why are the, why is he out here making the headlines? Because there's all the headlines today. Aaron Rodgers says he wants to play, and that he's he, being cleared he can't to play. Help himself, and the team what? needs to help the player from from hurting himself. They need to protect the player from hurting himself because very clearly, Aaron Rodgers is one track minded on this thing. And whether it's because he wants to prove that he's a modern medical miracle, whether it's because he can't miss another moment of football. Whatever it is, it's not for the benefit of himself or for the Jets' investment on him. And they've got to step in here. I hope they do. Aaron Rodgers just turned 40. Is he, like, struggling with being 40? So it's if he's crisis. able to – Is it, is it like – Chalk it up to that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I get it. I myself am right around Aaron Rodgers' age. Is he, like – well, if I can come back from this thing in an absurd amount of time, then somehow I'm defying age. And so 40 won't feel so bad. I don't know what the heck he's doing, but whatever he's doing, he needs to stop doing it. Let's get to Jags Ravens real quick. Ravens 23, Jaguar 7. Uh, the Jags, I, low key, Courtney, I, I just feel like the Jags are underperforming. And you heard us, you heard me say it to Herm Edwards earlier, if you missed anything here on Amber and Ian, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. But the Jags don't get a lot of heat because... Jacksonville is not a particularly large market. Trevor Lawrence had bigger expectations than where Trevor Lawrence is right now. He fumbled a couple times in this game. The Jags shot themselves in the foot over and over and over. The score looked a lot worse than this game, frankly, was for that Jaguars offense. It's just a mistake-riddled team. Meanwhile, the Ravens, not so much. They're flying. They got inside Baltimore's 40-yard line four different times, and they came away with no points. That's awful. The missed field goals at home, no less. I know it might have been raining down there yesterday, but come on. Like, you kick in those conditions all the time, and it made no sense to me watching how Trevor Lawrence loses that fumble and the reaction of everybody else on offense – clock management to like what they were, you know, you don't do this if you're trying to push for the playoffs and and keep yourself in the driver's seat for the AFC South, which again, I know right now the AFC North has three teams, but if CJ Stroud comes back this week and if they win a couple more games and you've got the Indianapolis Colts winning games in the way that they have, like that was not a close game against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home then you're going to be in a pretty tough spot if you're Jacksonville, if you lose more games like this. And hopefully it's nothing more than just, you know, a little bit of time for Trevor Lawrence's ankle, the high ankle sprain that he's dealing with. I know they say it's not a factor. You can't tell me it's a factor, not a factor, considering how poorly this offense has played since that incident happened on Monday Night Football two weeks ago. Coming up next here. On Amber and Ian, the Eagles and Seahawks, they are at the half right now. So let's catch you up on what's happened tonight in Monday Night Football and beyond. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio.
Always chime into the conversation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's the digits. You can find Courtney Cronin at Courtney R. Cronin on social. You can find me, Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W. Sports. Courtney's been filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So we have been rolling along. If you missed anything on tonight's show, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. And during tonight's show, Courtney... As I actually look over to my right right now, and there is, in fact, a four-year-old staring at me through the glass of my office right now at almost 10 p.m. at night in his pajamas. He should be sleeping. He is not. He is trying right now to actively break into a national radio show instead because mommy's on the radio and mommy's working. I think you should go get him. I think that and he needs to be part of this conversation as we wrap up the show and let us know his thoughts on Eagles and Seahawks and everything else that we have been talking about here for the last couple of hours. Go ahead. Go get him. Like, I think uh, that he should be part of this. For here, uh, because he is making his appearance here, his national debut here on ESPN Radio. But we had a bit of an incident earlier in the show, um, since I am uh, single momming tonight, where uh, there was some... Um, there was some number two in, in the tub, Courtney, during the show. That's what I was dealing with on a commercial break. Uh, there was a little potty incident uh, in the tub on a commercial break that I was dealing with, trying to clean that up. I've been juggling a lot of balls tonight while doing this radio show with you. I mean, mom of the year, hopefully you have a bottle of wine waiting on you for after bedtime to be able to unwind from... Um, a not so great situation, but bath time was great. Was that right? You had your toys in there. You had, you know, water, obviously some other things went into what happened the last couple of hours, but did you at least have fun, honey? Did you have fun in the bath, buddy? You can talk. I'll let you talk. He's- yeah, you did. So what kind of toys to do you have in there? You What's the best toy? You just can't not talk because we can't have we can't have silence here on ESPN radio. The alarms will sound and our producer's cam will lose his mind. I don't remember. Oh, you don't you remember? You don't remember. Who's I bet it favorite, was a boat. Who's your favorite football team? Do you remember that? Quickly. Um Quickly. Bucks. Um the Bucks. The Tampa the Bay Bucks. Buccaneers. Big Baker Mayfield you, fan right now. Who, how, I mean, I know that this is not... And the Dolphins. And the Gators. And the and Gators the and the Dolphins. Because Mommy's trying okay. to make him a Dolphins fan. So, you know, we're in discussions right now uh, between the Bucks and the Dolphins. Uh, we're a little confused about... So wait, uh, is Sean a Bucks one. fan? Or, like, how did no, this Bucks just fandom live, just... You're in Florida. We just live near Tampa. So right. we're, we now live closer to Tampa than we do to Miami. So we've been... He's been to more Bucks games than he has Dolphins games. He has been to a Dolphins game. What's funny is my four-year-old, the Dolphins game that he's been to was in fact the Dolphins game where they put up 70 on the Broncos. I mean, what a so, first game to go to. That, what an introduction to the NFL. You were yes. going to think, but the problem is he's going to think that all offenses are supposed to look like that. And he's going to be spoiled to exactly. find out that if he does become a Bucks fan, taking a look at how some of the performances that they've had this year, yesterday notwithstanding, 
that that's more the norm in the NFL than your high-flying greatest show on <laughs> on turf part two. That's why I'm trying to push him a little bit more uh, towards being a Dolphins fan. But Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, uh, my son Cullen here with us as well on ESPN Radio. This is what parenting does sometimes when you are working from home. There is a game on, though, right now, uh, if you'll – turn your attention Colin towards the television set it is Monday night football you don't normally get to see this because this is far past your bedtime and you're supposed to be asleep right now if you weren't breaking into my radio show uh Monday night football the Eagles are leading the way over the Seattle Seahawks Courtney and so far I mean this game has it's been cold it's been rainy but somehow Jalen Hurts has actually been doing Jalen Hurts type things. Yeah, and I'm not surprised that neither team has much passing success. I mean, we've seen the cutaway shots of the crowd and how much it's been raining there. And Jalen Hurts, 9-17 for 79 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Drew Locke, who is playing in place of Geno Smith. We haven't seen him go in the game. I know he technically is available. He was not made inactive, but they decided to go with Drew Locke over their starter, who's dealing with a groin injury. 64 yards passing, 10 of 14 uh, on the completions and attempts. But good for the running game of the Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Eagles to show some support here where DeAndre Swift, I know he's not averaging a lot of yards per carry, but he's helping Jalen Hurts in this. And you saw Jalen Hurts on that first touchdown drive, the amount of yards that he was able to pick up, those hard-fought yards, uh, especially to start out the game. He doesn't look like he's super sick out there, which is great because – Playing under those conditions doesn't seem like the most ideal of circumstances. This is a lot closer, though, than the Eagles are wanting to, are hoping for. They're trying to mm-hmm. prove their offense can go back to the way it looked earlier this season. Going to have to do a little bit better than 10 points in the second half to, to prove that they're getting there, or at least getting back on track. Yeah, some of these runs from Jalen, I mean, he has not looked sick at all. It's nothing like I would look if I had flu-like symptoms, which Jalen Hurts had. He took a separate plane to this game to try to keep from getting his teammates sick. He has looked okay physically anyways. He's looked okay out there, but it is cold. It is rainy in Seattle. And the Seahawks certainly playing the Eagles a lot tougher than the Eagles would like them to be playing them. The Eagles have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. That includes this game against the Seahawks. So if they can't get this one done they've got a couple meetings against the Giants and the Cardinals that they can try to take care of business against but this game would go a long way to getting some of that morale back in Philadelphia and you just don't want it to be a struggle if you're the Eagles from the Seahawks perspective also a big game for this team and like you said Geno Smith not available with that groin injury he had tweaked it earlier in the week I think that they decided to just be cautious with it even though he's active tonight Probably makes a lot of sense. If you can do it without him, then you go ahead and do it without him. And at least right now, they're still competing. Which really yeah, well. and it's it's cool. We saw Matt Patricia on the sideline with his giant pencil behind his ear. Sean Desai moved up to the box. You know, so far, so good, at least for the defense. They've been able to get Drew Locke in some uh, tough situations to be able to convert. They held him out of, uh, off of, out of a touchdown in the red zone. They're 0 for 1 right now in the red zone. They haven't been down there that often, but we'll see if these changes – end up manifesting themselves into something bigger for the Eagles. Uh, We will certainly see that. So keep it tuned right here on ESPN radio, because we will always keep you updated on all the happenings right now of Monday night football, the Seattle Seahawks attempting to drive down the field right now before uh, behind the heroics here of Drew Locke coming up next game night with Q Myers and Emmett Golden ESPN radio is always on the ESPN app.